comes, it's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 34 of Nashville Untold, and thanks for tuning in. Today in the Rambler, I'll be hosting Haley Rowe, Maybe. God, I think music is so important, but I think even more than that, I think having any sort of outlet is really important. For some kids, it's theater or visual arts or sports. Like, I think there's got to be some way that, especially in those teen years, that you have some sort of out. You have to be able to express yourself or you're just going to bottle up and be mad at the world. So I think having music or some sort of art to talk about or express in some way is so important. Haley is a Nashville area native working for Yeah or Yay, Youth Empowerment Through Arts and Humanities, a local nonprofit that provides radical music and arts education for youth ages 10 through 17. She is the program director and she's making a pretty big impact within them. We dive into some of her story and she talks about how when she was a youth, she actually went through this nonprofit and it helped transform her life and helped her step out of um, kind of the the shelter that she was in being uh, more of an introvert. And based on the interview, I would never guess that. But um, she also shares some of her experiences with attending college in Boston and living in some other areas, but eventually she did come back to Nashville. So sit back and enjoy our conversation. Hello, Nashville. Today I'm sitting down with Haley Rowe, maybe. And um, we are, thankfully she met me in uh, Shelby Bottoms. I was hanging out here and interviewed somebody recently, so she moseyed on here and I didn't have to set all this stuff up again so thank you no problem thanks for joining me yeah on this uh, very cold day i'm excited to be here i like the cold weather i'm actually i'm okay with it you know it's funny i was walking out to my um my shed quarters my office behind the house Mm -hmm. and i thought it's cold who cares like yeah it's funny you can always add on more stuff you can't take off your skin you can't (laughs) and it's really just a a, now last night i got this from storage Uh and my hands were i I I thought they might have been frostbitten yeah gloves on yeah that was crazy so all right so uh in like a an a minute give me an overview give the audience overview about what you do so uh i am the program director for youth empowerment through arts and humanities or yeah Mm -hmm. as we call it um which is a nonprofit that provides music education uh for youth ages 10 to 17. um we're actually this year adding a young camp for ages 5 to 10. so i guess now we're serving ages 5 to 17. um and what we do is we're most famous for our rock and roll camps so kids come learn an instrument form a band write a song and perform a showcase all at the end of the week their day camps Mm -hmm. um usually in the summer so that's uh i do all of our programming so our summer camps we do uh rock block during the school year which is basically the band portion of camp but every weekend and then uh, we've recently started offering ladies rock camp which is the kids rock camp format but for adult women and gender non-conforming 18 and up okay yeah cool yeah so you have a lot of fun with that 
I do. It's so, so fun. You said your major was was what? So my major was audio post production and sound design. Okay. Um, and it was under the umbrella of a visual media arts degree, so essentially film degree. Okay. Yeah. So do you get to bring that element into what you're doing now? Um, a little bit. I did learn some audio engineering in college, though it was never really my passion. Um, so that's helpful when we teach some of the kids recording mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I think. Um, I was just talking about this Spotify thing, that opportunity that we filmed with the kids yesterday. So I have some on-set knowledge from working mm-hmm. on student films and all that. So that's kind of fun to parlay for the kids. Um, and probably the most useful part about my degree is telling kids that you don't have to be a musician to do music for a living, that there are right. other aspects, and also you don't have to do audio engineering. Mm-hmm. So um, that's probably the most useful part, but I'm not really using my degree. I did, when I uh, graduated college, I moved to L.A. and I did f- do music for film for about a year but okay. I'm back okay. here and intended on doing that and then found my job and decided I didn't want to work in the music industry anymore so gotcha yeah well that was a good place to move back to Nashville and not yeah be in the music industry yeah <laughs> all right so if you were to take a stroll uh, around Centennial Park and reflect mm. back to your earlier years what memories would come to mind that helped shape you early on mm. well um, well, that kind of reminds me of growing up here, like Centennial Park and Cafe Coco were like the cool spots. So that's mm-hmm. absolutely a thing I would have done when I was a kid. Um, but I actually went to camp as a kid. So that's something I reflect on a lot working with the kids is I have that experience, um, though it was for them a long time ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I reflect on that a lot. I actually wrote my college essay on what it was like to be a camper and how much it changed my life. Um, so that's something I think about a lot when working with kids and trying to be a role model for them and thinking about who was a role model for me and who challenged me and pushed me at that age. So Yeah. How long were you doing camps when you were a kid? Was I did week? camps. Uh, yeah. So it's a okay. week every summer or it was we now have more camps. But at the time mm-hmm. we just had the one in Murfreesboro. Um, so my parents would drive me down to Murfreesboro and I did three years as a camper. And then I volunteered every year after that mm-hmm. um, until getting my job. I think this will be my fifth summer. Now, did you do camp with this one or just camp? Yes. Oh, okay. No, it was, yeah, yeah. It was this exact. Oh, okay, it was cool. It was at the time Southern Girls Rock and Roll Camp. There was only one. It was in Murfreesboro, which is our like pilot program. And that mm-hmm. it'll be 17 years that we've had that program this year. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did our camp that I now run, oh, which is that's kind of cool. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always remember camp. Um, we, I guess I went probably a couple years to church camp mm-hmm. and, uh, I just, yeah, I remember always, you know, liking the, the girls, the cute girls. Yeah. I know we're supposed to be learning this, you know, but it was always so sad because it was so fun because you connected and then yeah. when you would have to leave. It's like, no. This. Yeah. I just remember the, yeah, the sad part, kind of like going to a, a big family reunion. Right. And, There's always that like, yeah. um, almost endorphin crash afterwards. Yeah. Like, oh yes. no, it's over. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So most people have a few individuals. Actually, we've missed one. All right, so early on, we sometimes have some moments in our lives that can change our trajectory. Do any such moments come to mind from, say, your teen years to college time span? Mm, Yeah. Um, I always loved music as a kid. My dad's a musician. My brother's a musician. um, Other members of my family are musicians. But I never thought I would do anything in music until, until I started going to camp. 
and I had always wanted to play music, but being a girl, uh, you know, I didn't really meet a lot of people who, a lot of women who wanted to play music or Mm -hmm. did play music or seemed accessible to, it was just all my brother's friends were all older than me. Um, so I went to camp and found like-minded people. And then I realized that was something I could do that I liked performing. And I think that really helped push me into the music industry a little bit, um, which is ironic because I'm not super involved in the music industry anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that had a huge part in me wanting to go to school for uh, sound design. So, yeah. um, and I had always been interested in music for film, but I didn't know that that music supervision was a job and I didn't understand that. So when mm-hmm. I found that out, it was kind of around the same time I was playing in bands and I realized that like I had a passion for music, but I never wanted to be a musician for a living. That was mm-hmm. never my thing. But I think doing camp and seeing like their other women played music and that, you know, it was, it was an avenue in some aspect I think was really big for me. Um, and then probably the second thing was when I lived in LA after college, I worked for a horrible person, <laughs> very devil wears Prada situation. This guy was terrible and I hated LA and I decided to move back here. And I think that experience working for him definitely mm. made me realize I did not want to be in the industry anymore in that way. Um, and I know people in Nashville are definitely nicer than LA, but right. it definitely made me um, not want to do something that in an industry that was like very fleeting and very, very like money motivated. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think I wanted to dive a little deeper, which, uh, you know, now I'm really grateful. I work at nonprofit and now I can't see myself doing anything else, but yeah. Well, so I kind of going back to when you said all your family was musicians Mm -hmm. and not to think you were doing anything in music is interesting. Yeah. Did you like do piano or anything growing up or? No. Um, I was always surrounded by music. My dad would always give me lessons when I'd ask. Um, and I took piano lessons for like six weeks, but I, I'm not to this day, like I still play music, but I'm not, I'm not a practicer, which is really bad. I, um, and I don't like to, I'm not like a sit in your room and like noodle on the guitar kind of person. Mm-hmm. I always am drawn to the performance aspect the most. Okay. So I think that I would get really frustrated by playing music. Um, and then it wasn't until I met people at camp that wanted to play in a band. We, we stayed in a band that I would have continued at all because I was playing in a band every week. We were rehearsing. It was the only way keeping me motivated was other people. Right. Um, And then I loved performing. So I knew I had to rehearse to get to the performing part. But if it had just been myself, I don't think I would have pushed myself that way. Um, But yeah, something about like as supportive as my dad always was with like, I would be like, hey, teach me a chord and guitar. You know, he absolutely would. He bought a drum kit just to have it around. Well, yeah, because like, you said you still play drums, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. So he was super supportive, but there was something, I think, like unattainable about his level of talent. My dad is is an insane guitar player, and that okay. was like from the time he was seven. Played guitar wow. every single day. Like, it was just, I knew that that was never what I would was going to do. Right. And my brother was really similar. My brother's almost four years older than me and he picked up a bass at 12 and like has never put it down. Mm-hmm. So they just have this like really freakish level of talent that I felt like I wasn't, I don't want to say I didn't have, but I, I knew I was not motivated to work hard enough at that. Well, you to saw be. what it took him. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I wasn't willing to put in the hours, uh-huh. I guess I was like interested in too many aspects to like mm-hmm. narrow it down to just being a musician. Yeah. So I felt like it was this like unattainable thing, even though I wanted to play music, 
they were just so good. You know, I didn't feel like I could be that good until I went to camp and met a bunch of other new female musicians or like a lot of like DIY punk role models who right. like weren't as concerned with being really, really good. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. My yeah. dad and brother definitely are like classic rock, like shredders. And okay. it wasn't until I met people that were like more into punk yeah. and like just playing for the sake of playing, even if it's three chords that I think yeah. I, it felt more attainable to me. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And then I think to, to your, your other uh, moment is that often we, instead of, you're you're in a place that you don't like. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, what can I learn from it? And mm-hmm. I would say in most people's story, they walk away with some life changing yeah. aspect of it. So encouraging to people that are stuck there, you know, that hey, just try to learn something out yeah. of it, you know. Or yeah. you it's learn what you don't want to be or do or, you know. Yeah. I've had I've had a, quite a few of those because I've worked for quite a few people, you know. Yeah. It's interesting. I when you find yourself like not wanting to follow this particular path, you're like, why am I, why am I not into this? And it's like, Oh, maybe cause I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or maybe yeah. that was like scarring for more than just that person being mm-hmm. a crappy. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting how much you'll keep pushing to try to mm-hmm. do that when it's like, no, it's time to move on. Yeah. Most people have had a few individuals that have had a huge impact on their life. Who are a few such people that come to mind and how did they have an impact on you? Yeah. My dad was super impactful uh, for music, obviously, as the the many things I said, he was always super supportive, but he was the person that he found out about rock camp and he was like, I think you should do it. And I used to be incredibly shy, like very, like wouldn't talk to anybody, really? very, very shy, <laughs> sit in my room and read. And I didn't want to do it because I was afraid to do it by myself and be in the like social situation where I yes. didn't know anyone. And he was really patient. He was like, maybe you can find a friend to sign up. I had like one friend who was a girl that played drums, but her parents weren't super supportive and she wasn't going to sign up. And it was the last night. And he was like, you know what? You got to do it. He was like, I'm making you do this. And it was like really gentle way. He was like, but you're going to do it and it's going to be great. Don't worry. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that push was really important because obviously it led me to camp, which opened a lot of doors and helped me really break down a lot of my shyness. But I think um, that was a huge moment where my parents were, super supportive and they generally weren't would never like force us to do anything like if I didn't want to take piano lessons they're like you know what that's okay like you'll find something else you do want to do um and this is like the one of the very few moments where my dad was like no you're doing this Mm because I think he knew it was something really great was going to come out of it so that was a really huge moment um I also uh I rode horses growing up um and I had a lot of like really great horse trainers that I think I learned a lot about like discipline and sticking to something through mm-hmm. that experience. I don't know. I'm trying to think of anybody else that really stuck. I think I have had a lot of role models in like, like a lot of role models at camp that were all in the kind of the same situation and they were all pushing mm-hmm. um, that. Cause I think we had quite a few. We, so at camp you have band managers. And so the first year I went, my friends and I were writing our own song and all of the volunteers and band managers were like, hey, you guys should stay in a band. You should do it. And I think that like words of encouragement yeah. was like yeah. huge for us being like, oh, I guess we, we are OK enough to do this. So, yeah, that was really big. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes when I even when I ask that, I'm like, you know, I don't know that I would say one person yeah. or even a big person. Um, I think it's a lot of people in your life. I like mm-hmm. um, I interviewed uh, Michael Del Giorno and he made the comment that 
people come in your lives for a reason, a season, and sometimes a lifetime. Yes. I was like, that's very good. And sometimes you got to know when the season is ending, it's yep. harder, you know, to walk away. But I think that with friends a lot too. Yeah, it is. A lot of people, I, I'm like recently really into Enneagrams. Are you have, <laughs> yeah, everyone's into Enneagrams right now, right? Because Everyone. Because, um, <laughs> yes. And actually, um, Michael Lemieux was the guy mm-hmm. I just interviewed and he's, he talked about Talk it. Talked about it. Last everyone's night, into it right now. I'm talking to uh, our life group and Daniel M. I guess they interviewed somebody on the mm-hmm. podcast before. And, uh, yeah. So that's so funny that yeah. you said that too. I, I don't normally <laughs> subscribe to those types of, like, I know I like, astrology like none of that like horoscope none of that resonates with me at all but enneagrams kind of do i it's enneagrams are basically the new myers-briggs right right so like myers-briggs it's so comprehensive that you can't help but identify is that the one with the seven levels is that right it's the four letters okay yeah so it's like the classic personality test that they make you take in like your first psychology class ever kind of thing and enneagram is really similar to myers-briggs it's like super comprehensive and it's based on like your personality rather than a horoscope. I'm like, you can't know who I am just because I was born in a certain month. Like that wasn't my choice. Right, right, <laughs> so, right. Um, but Enneagrams are uh, funny. And I recently learned what mine was and it's, it definitely resonates. And it's like the kind of person who's super loyal. And right. the second that like they realize they're giving more than they're getting out of a relationship or it's not equal. Mm-hmm. Like we're like, okay, like that's chill. It was nice knowing you. Bye. <laughs> I, right. I talk about this a lot with my boss cause she's a, she's She's like basically the complete opposite of me. It's very like she's a little more sensitive and more emotional and like very empathetic and like and I'm not exactly those things. So friends have been one of those things in my life that I've always like I've like learned like, okay, it's time to like say goodbye. It's chill. We were friends for a while and it's great. And I hope we both learned from it, but it's not working anymore. Now, do you actually have that conversation or do you just let Um, it slide away? A little bit of both. It depends on the situation. I haven't like I'm I think I'm really um now, as I get older, I'm definitely more, I know myself, I think, well enough to know who to put the time into to even create the friendship. Right. So I think that I've avoided having to make those friends, yeah. but I definitely had those in college and I did have a friend in college. We were very close for all of college. We lived in LA, like five minutes from each other after college. Cause I went to college in Boston. Okay. So we, all, uh, we moved across country, yeah. happened to live in LA and she was, she was the kind of person um, which a lot of people are like this. She would rather have like 50 acquaintances rather right. than three really close friends. And I'm like, ride or die. Like I want a few friends cause I only have so much time. Yeah. Um, and she would rather like, she'd be like, we'd have plans to hang out and she'd be like, no, let's go to so-and-so's birthday party. I'm like, no, I just want to hang out with you. And so basically in that period of time, when I moved back here, yeah. I realized that I, she just like, didn't stay in touch. Like it had been a struggle to like maintain right. a friendship with her. So I did write her a letter and I was like, Hey, um, you're her shitty friend. And I just feel like I never realized it or told you in person. And like, you know, I think you just should know that like you didn't invest what I did and that wasn't very fair. And she was very bad uh, at me. We like, uh, we did end up talking on the phone and like, you know, happy. Yeah. But we're not really friends to this right. day. Cause I was like, yo, it's chill. Like I realized right. that we're in different, we have different types of relationships and that's okay. But it was probably the one time I've actually confronted someone about it. And I was like, Oh, you suck yeah. at this yeah. compared or you suck for what I want, right. I guess out of this, right. you know, right. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely takes an investment. And I mean, I'm sure your husband husband can attest, you know, just being in real estate, like you want to stay friends with everybody, everybody Mm -hmm. forever. Mm -hmm. But the reality is you can't. And even the longer you're in it, the more people you meet, the more it's like, you know, how do you nurture that relationship? But know that 
you know, I mean, there's some people that I hang out with that right. I sold homes to, and there's other people that I haven't talked to in a couple right. of years. Um, it's interesting but, how you choose who to invest yeah, in. You know, like yeah. there's the, there's that constant, like, we should hang out thing, you know? You know how many times, and oh, he God. could probably attest to yep. it. It's like, hey, let's close it. Oh, we're going to have you over for what? Yeah. And literally now I'm like, no, you're not. No, like, yeah. I mean, I know you, I know you like me, and yeah. we liked each other, but the reality is, is you Just probably won't. Yeah, so it's like. Yeah, it is the time. Yeah. Yeah. Investment. I think you face that. I don't know um, how long you've been married, but we Almost just. Almost 17 years. Okay. So I don't no, know. No, 17 years. If you went through this process when you were making your guest list, but we just got married in November. So we made our guest list, you know, probably like we got engaged last Christmas time. Okay. So we probably are making our guest list like a year ago now. And there was a lot of like you, that's when you really look on paper and you see the people that you are like, yeah, do we hang out enough right. for me to like have a bigger venue for you or right. like provide you with that, you know, and that's like a, it was an easy process for me to be really cutthroat, but Davey was, had a much harder yes, time because he was like, he but was. I just closed on this house and these people are really great <laughs> and I love them and like we should hang out and yeah. it's like someone that we went to like trivia with like right. five times or something and they're like really great, but we'd never hang out past that and I'm like, no, right. they can't come, but he was having a really hard time or he's like, I watch basketball with this guy every week and like, I think they should come and I'm like, no, but I've never hung out with his wife right. or him, so like, no, <laughs> you know. Well, and I'm sure, and I, and it'd be interesting to see how many couples can attest to like how many times do both spouses like have so much in common. Right. You know I mean, usually it's like, all right, I have some really good guy friends, but the guy friend's spouses are not great friends with mine, and right, you know, like. And the longer I've been in a relationship with him, the more it's like we hang out with couples. Yes. And the less you hang out with like. Right non-couples or single friends and I think I wonder I, I know that I hear that when you have kids it's like that oh, a lot yeah. as well like you hang out with friends that well, have kids that are you know yeah and, but in general as you're going through life in those ages there's obviously okay an average you get married around here and yeah on average you have kids here yeah and then you know so you'll have some sprinkled in it's kind of nice to having you know the the ones that are single or don't mm -hmm. have kids because you know, they have a lot of freedom. And when you're like, right. hey, you want to go see this? Like, I literally, I'm like single, single. Okay, he can go and we yeah. can meet up and go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. One of my best friends is, is single. And um, she's like my, you know, she does everything with me kind of thing. Right. It just kind of gives them yeah. freedom. All right. So shout out. Uh, favorite local restaurant. Mm. And mm. this was probably a tough one, though, I think. Favorite nonprofit. Oh, well, the nonprofit I work for. Okay. <laughs> um, no, but I do have a secondary favorite nonprofit. Um, I've been volunteering for Animal Rescue Corps okay. recently. Um, you mentioned you live in Mount Juliet. Mm -hmm. It's in Lebanon. Okay. So kind of close. So it's a nonprofit. I think they're based out of D.C. And it's in basically animal foster care when someone has like a hoarding incident or oh. has like a large number of pets that get seized. The cops call ARC okay. to come in and take them. And basically they hold on to the pets until the legal aspect is completed. So either someone surrenders or loses um, the right to their pets. Okay. Um, so I've been volunteering with them. The plus for me is that I can't adopt them because it's like foster care. They're like, okay. you know, they're like in the purgatory basically of being at the shelter but not being yes. adoptable yet. So it's been great because I cannot have any more animals. Yes. I was so, about to say, like, do you have a household full of them? Yeah, or? I have two dogs, a cat, and then not living in our household, obviously, is my horse. So, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's um, cool. So that's my second nonprofit, and I've been volunteering there only for about a month and a half, but um, okay. I'm a big animal fan. So cool. so if I wasn't going to pick the nonprofit, I worked for. Right, right. <laughs> and then 
favorite restaurant. Yes. Um, okay, so I was just talking about this uh, last week with my husband and a couple friends. So I have, like, two levels of favorite restaurants. So, like, mm-hmm. fancy, like, best restaurant, best experience mm-hmm. um, in town is Catbird Seat. Okay. I probably, like, feel like anyone who's been there is going to say that. We haven't been there yet because every time we go, hey, we should go there, like, it's a month out or yeah, something. Yeah. So yeah, we went. we got to plan more. Yeah, we went a couple years ago, uh, actually two years ago tomorrow, for my husband's 30th birthday, his okay. birthday tomorrow. So, um, and it was the most incredible experience and meal. Okay, cool. I've had. I've, I guess, like, fanciest, most, you know, that kind of experience. I've had some, like, equally incredible meals that were just, like, pasta in a weird cafe in another mm-hmm. country kind of thing but um so that's like my fancy choice and then my favorite like go-to spot we go like once a week is far east okay. and that's on woodland and it's amazing so i just published an episode last week beth english and she mentioned that that, that yeah. was hers there was a what do you call it Faux? Fa. Well, faux or fa. Well, she yeah, said you can fa. Say, yeah, you can say it either way. So I think yeah. I have a really good fa. I don't yeah. Know, I've never heard of that. Fa so. is amazing. Well, if you like ramen, so if yeah, you like okay. a hot soup kind of dish, yes. like similar like noodle bowl. It's funny. It's a little fresher almost because there's like... Um, like jalapeno and like mint leaves in it. So it has like okay. a little bit of a lighter vibe than ramen. Ramen yeah. is very rich. So I never did ramen in college. I yeah. guess I, I was... It took me a while to get away from... I needed to do ramen like yeah. all the time, yeah. but I was like, my mom was all about name brand stuff. So it took me meeting my wife whose um, parents, I don't know if they did. I think they shopped at Piggly Wiggly. Mm-hmm. You know, we only have one here, but mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I don't have to buy this name brand cereal, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and so I finally started eating cheaper because yeah. I couldn't afford any of that stuff. Anyways, I had to keep my, I had to keep my girlfriend. <laughs> um, all right. So, but I'll have to try that one. Yeah. And I have I haven't had lunch, so I'm like, really oh right. yeah, well it's close by. Okay, so um, one phrase that's always thrown around is "life is a journey." Sometimes that journey is filled with excitement, and sometimes big letdowns. How has your journey been so far, and what are some key learning points out of out of that journey? Mm. Um, I mean, I'm very happy with where I am in life. I was just talking about this with someone about the concept. He was like, "Everyone's life is a mess," and I was like, "No, I think everyone's life can be messy." I don't think that my life is a mess. <laughs> I think he was just feeling like his life was a mess at right. this moment. But, um, yeah, I'm really happy with where I'm at. It's definitely someone asked me the other day as well, like, where uh, is your life different than where you thought it would be? And absolutely, like, I didn't think I'd be living in Nashville ever again. When I left for college, I was like, Nashville sucks. It's mm-hmm. boring. But it was in 2009 yes. when it was, like, that's about still kind of boring. Yeah, yes, it was like yeah. I came back for Christmas break that year and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, everything's changing. So I never thought I'd live in Nashville. Um, and I thought I'd be working in the music industry or in the film industry in music um, as a music supervisor was like what I wanted to do for years. And so that's definitely different. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, you know, after having my experiences in, in the industry and in L.A. where I thought I'd be living and working. Mm-hmm. I'm so much happier where I am. So I have more opportunities here. You went to, you said school in Boston, right? Yeah. How long were you there? Uh, four years. So okay. I did. I went to Emerson College, which is like, if you're familiar with Boston. I've been there, the, well, I wouldn't say I'm familiar, but okay. I've been there twice. The Common, the big like park in the yes, middle. Yes, I okay. remember that. So it's on the Common. It's across okay. the street from okay. Edgar Allan Poe's um, graveyard. Okay. Yeah. So it's like very, it's a pretty small liberal arts school, I think, like smaller than Belmont. So maybe we, like 3,500 people. My wife and I stayed at the uh, Buck, 
Buckminster Hotel or something like that. Mm. But we mm. walked, and I believe we walked through the, there was a park there. Yeah. And then on the other side, there was the uh, the famous duck walk. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. The, Which yeah. we didn't realize it until later. We're like, oh, we should have got a picture with the yeah. statue. Yeah, yeah. That's in the public garden and okay. then the common. But they look like one big park, but they're separated by okay. a road. That's the only yes. difference. The garden is prettier. The common is like, but that whole area is basically um, <clears throat> Boston's like Central Park. So what did you think about Boston? Like, I love visiting. Yeah. It was awesome. I loved like, it. And we didn't go. We went like, I think it was probably like. Well, it wasn't that cold. So oh, okay. We didn't <laughs> get to see this, the snow, you know. Yeah. Um, I loved Boston. I loved going to college there. I think it's one of the greatest places to go to college because mm. everyone is in college there. Okay. Um, and it's it's such a great city because it's, it's so much bigger than Nashville. It feels like a big city, has a lot of big city vibes, but at the same time, it's not overwhelming. Right. Um, it feels, it's it's big, but has a small feel to it, if that makes sense. Yep. So I loved going to college there. I definitely did not want to stay after college. There okay. wasn't anything for me. It's very like marketing based mm. and like young professional or education based there. And I knew that was not a okay. career path I was going to do. So I didn't want to stay, but I love winter. Um, and so as cold, as brutally cold as it gets in Boston, I actually really, that's what I say. I, I like it when it's cold. I appreciate it when it's cold. Right. As long as you know how to prepare, yes. you're fine. Layer up. But yeah, I loved it. We had a few blizzards when I lived there. But so I want to experience a blizzard. I think. That, yeah. Did you go to Cape Cod much when you were there? No, I never okay. went to the Cape, actually. I was supposed to one weekend, and I can't remember what happened. But um, we, took I, a, we took a trip. It's supposed to be awesome. Like, probably 15 years ago but mm -hmm. it was before we had kids um, um, yeah 12 years ago but we went to the cape and then we yeah. did a day trip in boston nice and uh, and i remember we were eating there and it was like this would have been a really cool place to like move when you first got out of college yeah which would kind of fit with what yeah. you're saying um, and then we went back for um, my 40th mm -hmm. um she didn't want to go to new york because it was too busy and yeah kind of like you said a little it overwhelming was, mm -hmm. yeah and i love that you drive in and or I mean, flew in, mm -hmm. never stepped foot in a car for four days. Yep. And we took the subway everywhere. Like, I miss yeah. public transit for sure. Yeah. I wish we had. It was just cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great um, city. It's so great to visit. Living yes. there is really fun. Living in New England, New England in general is really great yeah. because you're four hours from New York. You're close to Rhode Island. You're close to the coast. Like mm -hmm. it, you can get. You know, you're only like six hours from Philly. So I uh, went to New York a decent amount when I lived there, okay. which was you know pretty cool to be able right, to do that um right. so yeah last summer i went to uh i had about four or five days in philly mm. for a podcast movement and then four oh, or five cool. days in pittsburgh okay. um, those are both really cool cities though, i've never been to know? pittsburgh my husband's from sweet. outside of philly okay. but he's never been to pittsburgh yeah so well I apparently can't... pittsburgh and philly talk about each other oh like, yeah you know? well i think it must be one-sided because he's like nobody in philly cares about pittsburgh right. but everyone well, in pittsburgh Pitt... cares about philly of course but that's i mean that's kind of like boston that and new york sense. right like everyone in new york's like boston sucks but like we don't care and everyone in boston is like i will kill you if you're right, from new york right. <laughs> i have friends in college from new york that would like wear their jerseys and get like spit on <laughs> that's funny that's funny all right so our world is full of distractions and there are limitless things to do now in nashville how do you stay focused on your purpose so i work from home so it can be really easy to get distracted it's a, a blessing and a curse mm -hmm. but i try and schedule all of my stuff on certain days and within certain time frames i try to keep to a pretty specific schedule as much as possible. Um, but I think something that generally keeps me from being distracted is that we have 
Um, so we have our camps in the summer, but we have so much stuff peppered in throughout the year. It's like the second something's over, I'm already having to plan for the next thing. So mm-hmm. it usually keeps me like really, really involved. But yeah, it's, it's easy to get distracted when you don't have an office. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband opened a coffee shop okay, uh, in cool. July with his real estate agent. Yeah. And so I work from there a lot. It's a mile from my house. What's so it called? It's called Retrograde. Okay. Yeah. So it's on Dickerson mm-hmm. and I live in Clinton oh, okay. Park. So yeah. it's, I can walk there, um, which is great because I have a really old car. So sometimes it doesn't work because right. <laughs> I drive a seventies Jeep, but. Okay. Um, oh, so that was you. Know, yes. Oh yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So I like to work out of the coffee shop to yeah. stay, like to have something somewhere to go and be. Yes. But I think the probably the thing that keeps me like the from distractions is that we just always kind of have something going on or something mm-hmm. we have to plan for. You have a lot of people you're accountable yeah. and kids. And, yeah, we have yeah. a lot of kids come to a camp and I, we kind of also have to work within the like school calendar. Right. Right. So kids and parents, as you know, I'm sure plan so far out because you only have like a specific point mm-hmm. of time with your kids or or that you can take vacations or whatever right. so that actually kind of keeps us in line because it's like oh well we don't want to we don't want to schedule our ladies rock camp during fall mm-hmm. break because moms will be going out of town right. or, or having to have child care yeah. or you know we want to make sure we have camp like before teachers go back to school so that any parents or volunteers that are teachers won't have to be in training and can bring their kids to camp and mm-hmm. so um that kind of helps us keep everything planned really far out, which is okay. nice because then I can set really long range goals right. for registration or, you know, details. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I have a, I, I rehabbed a shed, my shed quarters and I just recently had light here and then I added, um, it's like 50 square feet. Mm-hmm. It might be square footage, actually it's smaller than this. Yeah. And I'm like, I need light. But then yeah. sometimes I get in there and I'm like, you know what? I need to go be around people. Yeah. Let's go to a coffee shop. Yeah. You know? So There's it's a, great the, to work from home. Yeah. But it's really hard though sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cause it's just like, you are just there by yourself. Right. And even though I'm not going to a coffee place to talk to people. Yeah. I mean, I will, but I'm not. But you, you can't know. like dick around as much because yeah. you're like people are going to see that I'm on Facebook for well six hours. the true but I've also found <laughs> you know that like even at coffee shops like I get like going there but I don't like making calls there because mm. I don't like to be the right. obnoxious person talking right. on speakerphone and mm-hmm. people do that so um, anyways it's a good balance but I know yeah. I'm most productive in my my shed right so that's why I keep tweaking it to make it even more yeah of a good environment. So now I have all the natural. So then you want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think the, the working from home thing is like the freedom of being able to work from home is what's great, but not actually working out of your home is the best balance. That's what I find has has helped in the last six months. It's like, I want the freedom of like, I can go on a run later in the day Mm -hmm. if I need to, or I can pop home and feed the dogs or whatever, or, you know, or like head out to the barn if it's going to rain and I need to do something. But you know, not actually so having you have like a barn at your house. No, no, oh, no. It's like... it's like in Donaldson. Okay, <laughs> but um, yeah. So it's like the concept of having the freedom and like, but not actually sitting at home. Yeah, is yeah. Otherwise, I'm like, oh, I got a vacuum. This looks so. Awful. Do you go ride the horse often? Yes. Is that yeah? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I, uh, I'm out there for like four or five days a week, and I ride okay. probably like three days a week. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Neat. Do you ever incorporate that into any of the nonprofit stuff? No. Um, so I grew up riding since I was five until senior year in high school, then uh, stopped because I was going to college in Boston. Mm-hmm. It wasn't going to be a thing in, in downtown Boston. Um, and then I odd jobbed when I lived in L.A., like in between jobs for a couple months, I worked at a I taught horseback riding lessons. Um, and then when I moved back to Nashville, it took me like two years probably to get back into it and find a mm-hmm. schedule that I had time to do it. Um, and But I knew I was always going to yeah. go back to horses. It's like, I'm, you know, everyone like jokes, but it's like, you know, the horse girl, the horse person right. or whatever. Like it is a special kind of person yeah. that's like once you like it, you can't not do it. So, right. um, so I've been riding again for uh, I think a little over two years. Okay. And I bought my horse in... Um, May. He's a he was a racehorse and he okay. was a retired racehorse. So I nice. rescued him from the track and uh, now have a partner. <laughs> yeah, so funny story. My uh, my in laws live in Fort Valley, Georgia. They actually live in um, where the peaches come from from the peach tree. Oh, so I've toured the facility. Yeah, we, but um, they had I don't know where they got this horse, but it was a a barrel racing oh, yeah. horse. And so I was like, oh, and I haven't ridden a horse in, you know, years mm-hmm. um, and never like rode one a lot. Right. Enough to where you know how to ride it. Right. And so anyways, they get on it and, and they were like, all right, so it's really, you know, how what did they say? Like they said, once it gets down there, it'll want to come back. So if it goes down, you know, far. So anyways, I get on it. And oh man, the steering was so sensitive. I mean, oh, it was crazy. Oh yes, because they have to like cut around yeah, the barrels. That's maybe right. that is why. Because I yeah, didn't thought it. Yeah, because they have to be like super I'm like, tight. This is this is more sensitive than my Honda. <laughs> and um, I mean, but it was just and and I couldn't get him to go. You know. Oh yeah. And so and if I did the the noise with my mouth, uh-huh. it tickled my lips. So like I kept going or or no. There's like clucking and kissing. Yeah, that would be like no, a trot. And that would be, yeah, that'd be a canter. Okay. (laughs) So I'm trying to do that. Well, so he goes a little bit and then he doesn't. And I just couldn't get him. Like I just wasn't, you know, I hadn't ridden the horse. So I didn't know it. And uh, finally, I get it to go. And I think I did my, you know, my feet a little bit. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't know the terminology. But uh, I mean, no, that's exactly it. Yeah. No, actually, it wasn't that. So it finally takes off. And it was a good, you know, I was looking more for like a tr- trot. Yeah. Um, and it takes off pretty fast. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, is this thing going to stop? Because there was a fence and it had to turn around. But they said that once it gets there, it turn around. So, yeah. so I slow it down. It turns around. So then about the same time, I, I do, it, do it again. And I'm telling you, you're talking about the torque. Yeah. It took all. I thought <laughs> I was going to fly out the horse. Like, my legs were so sore because oh, I was yeah. just... I mean, I Holding really. On for dear life. Yeah, at I least really, you know to squeeze their legs. I did. Yeah, I, see, like, that's more advanced than a lot of people. I, I, I really thought. I mean, it was fun. It was like, oh my god, that was crazy. Yeah. But I mean, it makes you think of the. Oh, that's how they get the breakdown of horsepower. Yes. Yep. Because it's Cause, literally like boom. Oh man. Mm-hmm. I mean, was, think of a racehorse out of the starting gate, right? Yeah, it's like instant. I can oh god, no, I would never. I mean, my horse was a racehorse, but I'm not riding him right, like that. Yeah. So but <laughs> he's yeah, really slow now. Oddly, they're like, "Do you want to do it again?" I'm like, "No, we're good." We're good. <laughs> yeah. That's but it, but it would be fun. I would love the boys to be able to yeah. ride, you know. All right. Now let's talk about a youth empowerment through arts and humanities and yeah. how you are making a big impact through that organization. Yeah. So um, I'm program doctor. So I get to design and kind of curate and implement all of our programming, which is 
the coolest thing ever, honestly. Our camps have been going on for, our Southern Girls Rock and Roll Camp has been going on for 17 years. So um, with that program, I continue it, really. Um, and then about, uh, wow, like almost nine years ago now, we started our Tennessee Teens Rock Camp, which is the co-ed version. So it's the same concept, but with boys and girls. Um, and then I've been able to kind of be a part of starting the Ready to Rock program, which is for the younger kids. And then I started the Ladies Rock program, which was modeled after some other cities have that program as well. So okay. I can't take the credit for the idea, but I did bring it to Nashville. So I, I think it's really amazing because I, I get to work with the kids really directly and their parents. And I love hearing what they want to be offered and being able to dream it and hopefully make it happen. So mm -hmm. it's really cool. I work with probably close to 150 kids a year and it's so many of them do come back year after year we have a lot of campers that come every year until they age out at 17 uh and it's a really cool thing and many of them come back to volunteer like i did and i think that's a really powerful thing because it means that it means a lot to them mm -hmm. um many of them will you know credit camp to doing x y or z in their life the way that i credit it to like bringing me out of my shell and empowering me a lot of kids have that story with camp and mm -hmm. to be a part of that you know process in some way is really really cool although since i'm now the program director and not a teacher i credit the teachers to really being the ones to impact the lives far more than me but i get to hire the teachers who do that right and you know kind of hold and host everything which is really really awesome so like how does someone you know, get involved in it. And like, how is it, um, yeah, what's the criteria of like going to camp? Is there any? Uh, no. So it's now ages, well, we have the two camps. There's the five to 10 and then the 10 okay. to 17. Um, this will be the first year that we do the five to 10 in its entirety. But um, so no experience necessary. So we have tons of kids that have never picked up an instrument or maybe okay. don't even have access. We have a lot of kids that like can't afford a, an instrument okay. or have never touched a drum set mm -hmm. because they don't know anyone who plays drums. And so there's no experience necessary. It's just like a lot of people just sign up their kids because they're like, that sounds cool. And okay. then, you know, a lot of the kids find more through it than just playing music. There's a, we talk a lot about, um, especially at the girls camp, but a lot about feminism and equality, whether it be gender equality or racial equality uh, or ableism. So we have a lot of like really big ticket things that we talk about really large concepts especially for a 10 year old to talk about some of that and we tie it into music because they're collaborating as a group so they have to know kind of who they're working with and what that means that they especially at our co-ed camp that they may be working mm -hmm. with a girl or they may be working with a boy or a trans kid or a gender non-conforming kid and so there's all sorts of diversity in life and so we're really teaching them about that as early as possible so they can understand how to be better more accepting humans in their adult years mm -hmm. and a lot of them write songs about equality and police brutality and all that because they're so moved by that and then of course there are a lot of really great songs about like um shining like a diamond and like mosquitoes and weird like right, right. nachos and like aliens <laughs> so we have a lot of that but um they like kids amaze me they are so smart and they know so much more about all these topics than i knew at that age and i mean they're like sponges they're soaking everything in and you know like they get to they get to be mm -hmm. the kids that are gonna be ruling the world you know in in 20 years so it's really cool to see that they're so much better than like i was mm -hmm. at that age i was so selfish at that age our youngest four-year-old hudson 
he comes downstairs last night and we actually just had his four-year checkup and he's such a picky eater and then sometimes mm-hmm. you're like i'm like you need to like everything and yeah i do but it's just that balance and um so he comes down last night and he didn't eat all of his dinner but he was still hungry mm-hmm. and we would go back and forth sometimes we give in so right. we're definitely lacking oh, the God, consistency yeah. but our but our doctor pediatricians he's like you know you the consistency is he eats what you know they do and yeah. and if he doesn't he just doesn't he'll live he has they have storage and stuff yeah. and um so anyways he he comes down and i think uh, maybe natalie texted me or called me because she was upstairs and and so she already said hey dad's not gonna give you anything he can't give you that. so he and he's so cute i mean he's just and he's like i i hungry and oh no so i'm like he says cheese stick i'm like no and then I was like, well, how about some strawberries? Something at least if, yeah. you go, if we're going to give in, you're going to eat something healthy. And so then he um, he goes, gets the strawberries and he's like in, in a small bowl. And so I'll put him in a small bowl. And then he's like, OK, so he's going to go upstairs. And I said, I said, no, just eat them down here. And he's like, why? I said, just because you can eat the table. And he's four. And he's yeah. like, you don't want mama to know that I can't eat strawberries. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I said, no, no. And it's so funny. Then, of course, I called my uh, Natalie and I said, um, uh, you know, that's the technology, yeah. right? So even though yeah. she calls me, I'm like, don't call me. Come down here. But yeah. I called her because I was working, actually. Yeah. So anyways, I said, guess what Hudson just said? And, of course, he Oh, my God. So, They're so perceptive. Yeah. We, like, don't give kids enough credit, oh, honestly. Yes. Um, we have, They're yeah, amazing. Three boys. Yeah. Um, so, like, if I wanted one of my kids to come through it, I can mm-hmm. just say, hey, I'll sign them up and go through it. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. So registration's at our website, okay. www.yarocks.org, which is Y-E-A-H. Some people think it's Y-A-Y, which is yay. Yes. So it's yeah, Y-E-A-H, rocks.org. Um, we have registration on there. Um, we also have, so we have tuition, but we also have a scholarship program, which I think is really important okay. for kids, especially in the summer. Uh, I'm, you know, as a parent, like childcare at times mm-hmm. when you have to work can be really frustrating. Um, and I think everyone deserves to have access to that. So mm-hmm. um, we have a scholarship program that I think about 50% of our kids come on. So So campers can come at no cost or at half cost or whatever. Mm -hmm. And all they have to do is fill out like a little application with a little essay, which is like a few. Yeah. It's like a paragraph. So do you have musicians that help volunteer? Yeah. So all of our most of our volunteers are musicians. A lot of them are like pretty prominent musicians in the Nashville community. And then we have volunteers who are just passionate about working with kids or passionate about our program and aren't necessarily musicians, which is always really helpful, too, because we sometimes just need people to like help take kids to the bathroom there's yeah, all or right. like help a kid who's having a meltdown like i don't have that skill set as much you know so um so yeah we have volunteers we usually have about 30 volunteers per camp so we have two nashville camps and they're back to back so mm-hmm. some volunteers do both um and then we have our murfreesboro camp which is in june this year okay yeah so um and we have had amazing volunteers for some of them for years and mm-hmm. then we always have some new volunteers every year which is yeah, really cool. really cool yeah yeah, I've met a few. Have y'all? Have you ever heard of Larkin Poe? I have. Someone mentioned them to me recently. They're all. I mean. Yeah, they're up. like crazy, right? Yeah, and good. Shredding, and, yeah. And actually, I so I sold a house to Megan. Okay. That she plays the steel guitar or the uh, lap steel. Yeah. One of those. One of those. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't know all of. Yeah. And then her husband, Mike Seal, he's <laughs> he's I believe he's still on tour with. Uh, Jerry Douglas. Okay. He's 
ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, gosh, amazing. But they could be some pretty cool ones. Though, yeah. You know. Um, all right. So how important is music to the soul? And how have you seen it transform the youth? I mean, you, you can speak from experience yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, God, I think music is so important. But I think even more than that, I think having any sort of outlet is really important. For some kids, it's theater or visual arts or sports. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's got to be some way that, especially in those teen years, that you have some sort of out. You have to be able to express yourself or you're just going to bottle up and be mad at the world. So I think having music or some sort of art to talk about or express in some way is so important. I know music was really important for me for expressing myself. I think I utilized less than like the less songwriting more than performing for me was more of my out Mm -hmm. and being able to like because I was so shy being someone different on stage and turn that on and then going back to like my normal shy self mm-hmm. at the time. I'm not shy anymore, obviously, but right. you know, going back to that as soon as the show is over, I think that was my out um, for some people. It's songwriting or poetry or visual art or whatever, but I think there has to be some sort of outlet. Otherwise it's, it's like never talking about your feelings. You know, if you've always bottled up your feelings, it's not going to be great. So I think it's like, you have to have something to, to pour yourself into. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. I was listening to another a podcast and a guy was interviewing somebody he knew and he was he's kind of he's in the arts theater scene mm-hmm. and i think he was really shy wasn't really good with speaking in front of people but he learned that he would just mentally go into character yeah and then he would get up there and perform and you know or or it was talking i can't remember all the details but it was Speaking in front of people, it's right? Like if he got yeah, if you go character. into a character, that's, yeah, yeah, that's so true. And we talk about like obviously a lot of the kids have never performed before mm-hmm. at camp. A lot of them have stage fright, and we talk a lot about. They're like, we have a little question box, so they get to ask questions throughout the week, and they can be anything from like, how much does a guitar cost to like, how do I come out to my parents? Mm-hmm. To I have stage fright about this weekend. What do I do? And we get stage fright every week without fail. Someone is terrified, and and that was me, but it's one of the things we say is like you just go into character like you can be anybody you want to be on that stage and it doesn't need to be you it's okay if it's like another version of you right right? it doesn't have to be like who how you normally present to the world it can be something completely different yeah but interesting my um uh, bryce is 11 and he's prince eric in um mermaid yeah the little mermaid Mermaid. and so yeah he he's um He'll, I mean, it's a pretty big role within yeah. the, with our elementary school. So he, uh, first he's like, I wish I'd have never signed up, <laughs> but I didn't say that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's because he knows like he's got to have it all memorized. Yeah. And we're just like, um, as sadly, I'm like, okay, but you got to go study your lines and stuff. And I need to be, I actually, we got, I think a month. So I'm going to, I'm going to make a, a, a definitely conscious effort. That'd to be sure very hard. He has them all I never memorized. did theater for like that reason was yeah. memorizing lines was yeah. like, really? like, that's too oh, much. I'm out. <laughs> that's I can't remember lyrics. I can't either. I'm and terrible. I love, I love music. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I can listen to a song a hundred times. Oh. I will never get it. I am the all same. Perfect. I'll know the melody. I I'll remember too. the See, melody, but I, I will love, not remember the lyrics. I love, yeah. I, that's why I, uh, it was funny. We were getting ready for our life group and I threw on Pandora and it was, um, um, 20 inch blades on the Impala, you know, it was, it was a rap song Okay, and like, Tupac. Oh. oh, okay. Okay. And, uh, oh, my husband would be so mad. He's such a like nineties rap, oh, rap band. And so I'm like, 
just the bass and I, I yeah. love the music. I didn't listen to the lyrics as much. Yeah. Know? Nowadays, you got I got you know with the kids and stuff. It's like okay, I can't you know I have XM on. I'm like right. Oh, let's just go to something. Yeah, else. yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm the same with you. It's like um, I was the, not the music. Yeah, which is funny because I I'm a drummer, but I've always been a singer in every band I've ever been in. Huh. Yeah, I was a drummer and a singer in one band, but I would end up playing guitar or bass or something because I love to sing yeah. and perform. But I'm so bad at lyrics. Right. So I would often forget my own lyrics, which is fine because nobody knows. Right, that's true. Nobody knows. That's true, yeah. But there would be moments where I'm like, oh, my God, I have no idea. I know the verse is coming up, but I have no idea what the oh, words are. that's hilarious. Yeah, I would not be good with that. That's yeah. like trivia games. You had said mm. that earlier. Like, I'm, I like poker. Mm-hmm. I like stuff that doesn't take a lot of your mental energy ah, i'm so great I with the process trivia. it's like i can do this yeah i don't care about knowing all the yeah history. i love trivia i think because i remember really like unimportant facts yes yeah, and I so know. with trivia i'm like you know what i'm so glad that was in there for a reason <laughs> but also like i'll know something really atrociously embarrassing and weird at trivia and then i like won't remember someone's name when i meet them and i'm like why can't these things like i would that trade is too funny you know like i would trade that that weird knowledge of like what i'm i'm now hosting a rock and roll trivia at retrograde okay. every other week and like some of the it was so fun writing the questions because i'm know like all yeah because i was like oh some of them i some i googled some stuff but i was yeah. like writing these questions and i was like why do i know who the opening act of woodstock is but like I won't remember what appointments I have the next day unless I like look at my planner. Yeah, that's. You know? I, I don't. I don't know. Like I, I, my my memory is, I remember processes of stuff, but mm-hmm. names. Mm-hmm. We'll be watching a TV show or a movie, and Natalie's like, "Oh, you remember that's pretty." Uh, Stand by me. Oh yeah. The actress was on this something she was watching, and she's all trying to remember it. I'm like, oh, no. I'm like. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I don't care who, you know, yeah. I just don't care. All right. So, um, so fear is sometimes like a prison cell, impossible to break out of. What are some practical tips you would give your listener or give the listeners that are stuck in that prison? I think fear can be pretty specific to certain situations. I mean, I definitely had stage fright, like the first time I ever performed, like natural stuff like that. But I'm not like a super fearful person because mm-hmm. I guess maybe because I'm pretty in tune to like sometimes it's a bad thing. I'm, I I will do what I think I'm going to be good at. And sometimes I don't really try at things. I always refer to myself as not being a gym class trier. Okay. So like I in gym <laughs> in school, I was like, oh, I don't like tennis because I don't want to run after the ball. Right. I'm not going to be good at it. I'm not going to like it. So it can be a really bad thing sometimes. But I think I I challenge myself in a lot of ways at times, but I'm not I don't really operate with a lot of fear. Other than not liking heights. Mm. Uh, but it's it can be hard. I think some some things you just always it's like if you if it's important and you know you're gonna have to do it, you have to push past it. There's mm. really like not an alternative. And we say that a lot with stage fright with the kids. It's like, well, I know you're afraid, but you can't let your band down and you know you're gonna have to perform at this thing. So let's think of ways that will get you through the performance, mm-hmm. right? I think sometimes that's a helpful thing is to be like, Okay, like I have to do this. What's gonna make it easier or help me get through it rather than like focus too much on what the actual fearful part is right yeah focus on the positives and then put it in context yeah reality right right and i think like a lot of people i you know speaking of like single friends like when i have single friends that date like that can be kind of a scary process and i you know i'm i'm like i can't really tell you what dating in 2019 is like but uh you know like 
something I hear a lot of people say is like, not sure if this guy likes them or whatever. And there's this like sort of like afraid to talk about their feelings or like lay it out on the table. And I'm always a huge fan of be like, just be honest. Right. Like always just like put your cards out on the table because the worst that can happen is that someone doesn't want to date you or whatever right. or just be honest back but at least you know and right. I'm always like a fan of just at least knowing what you're facing like fear or whatever like what are the consequences and mm-hmm. just being like honest with yourself about them because then it's yeah. easier to get through it that way if well, you know what you're you, facing. Why, why are you afraid of heights? Uh, well, okay, so I'm not really afraid okay. of, like, being up high. I don't like the sensation of falling. Obviously, no mm. one does, but I could never, like, skydive or bunny okay. jump, if that makes okay. sense. Like, I love... Have you done it? No. How do you know you don't like it? Because, okay, so I'll tell you why. <laughs> I, don't, I love roller coasters, Okay. which is weird, but I hate the drop rides where yes. you go straight up and drop down. So okay. that's not okay. for me. Okay, just don't yeah. like it. So, like, I'm okay with a roller coaster where there's, like, a gradual right. thing. Or even if it's, like, a crazy loop or whatever. But I don't like the sensation of just falling straight right. down. Right, Like, right. Tower of Terror, not yeah. my jam. And that's I did funny. it recently to Which see. Which one is that? Where's that's the... Like, it's a... Uh, well, I guess it was at Universal. Okay. And then... So, when oh, I lived in yeah, LA, yeah. I went to um, California Adventure. And it's a California Adventure. So I guess maybe not universal, okay. but and it, you would, you know, you're yeah. in the elevator and you fall straight down and then it goes up and then falls down and goes up. And I'm, I'm yeah, just that like, would be fun. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I yeah, like, that's that's good. Um, yeah. Like or, or like um, I've cliff jumped. That's not okay. that bad. But I think it's something about the water. I don't know. Yes. You get you know where you're going to where you could right. land. And well, no, you do land. if you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But and it's ultimately not that high like skydiving for me. I'm just the sensation of falling for that long is yes. not same with the drop rides. It's like. 45 seconds of the same thing over and over again, where it's like going Which roller coasters quick. Which I'm assuming, I've never done skydiving, but like you're falling, but I imagine at some point, like it's not like the same thing of uh, immediate fall. Right. And I, think, I don't know that. No, I think it probably feels pretty like floaty yeah, rather than fall. Some, I mean, it's yeah. when you first jump, I guess. But no. Yeah, I think the, or maybe the, it's like, more whenever you are free falling because you right. are going at a certain and then you hit the. Right. Um, the, See, the, for me, the, like, standing on the edge of the plane thing is what I couldn't, like, I, like, couldn't stand on the edge of, like, a high mm-hmm. something. Like, the Grand Canyon, I've been to the Grand Canyon, right? Like, I know, I'm like, I'm not going to get too close. Right. If there's a fence, like, fine. Yeah. If there's, like, some sort of bear, but, like, I'm pretty clumsy. So maybe that's where part of it comes from. I, I like, trip a lot. I couldn't rock climb. Like, no, I remember yeah. they open up, I think it's one of the Mission Impossible movies, and uh-huh. he's, like, on the edge, how they free fall. Like, I'm bouldering. Like, that's just, that's insanity. Yeah, not my like, jam. Yeah. No, I'll jump a horse over a fence, but I'm not going to, like, rock climb. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it. But yeah. That's, that's one fear that I could go. I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. Um, all right. So, from the great words of Paul and Timothy 4-7, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. When your journey's over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? I think with my work with, yeah, I'm just hoping that as many kids as possible find a way to express themselves in whatever way that is. We have a lot of kids that come to camp feeling like the outcast, you know, because it's like a rock and roll camp. So it's a lot mm-hmm. of like those those kids that feel like they're not part of the normal fray. And I think the coolest thing that comes out of it, and I was one of those kids for sure, Um, The coolest thing that comes out of it is the kids that feel like at least at rock camp they have a place and that there are people in the world that they will connect with. And I think that was really important for me as a kid. I went to a really strict Catholic school growing up in high school and like it was 
like very sports heavy and it just like I was the weird kid and there were a couple other weird kids but I definitely didn't connect Mm -hmm. Um, and for me going to college was really huge because I went to such a creative school I was finally meeting people that were really Mm -hmm. creative and like minded like me so I think that for camp kids coming to camp that's really important and so I'm hoping that like I can continue to reach as many kids as possible or even adults that come to ladies rock camp or whatever and have a space where they feel like they Mm -hmm. meet someone that they have that moment of like oh man we connect yeah um and especially when you're a teenager that like you sometimes moodiness you'll isolate yourself but you can feel really isolated and unheard and like your voice doesn't matter because you're on the cusp of adulthood but you're not an adult and you're not a child and that can be like a really isolating thing where you feel like your voice doesn't matter but you're smart enough to have a voice Mm -hmm. so um i hope that yeah i hope that i can continue that work and and make a change and i i hope i work really hard with yeah and we all work really hard to talk about really hard topics like racism and feminism and gender identity and ableism and all of these really tough things that you know i didn't have those conversations Mm -hmm. when i was younger and i'm hoping that i can be a part of that dialogue to open up some eyes at younger ages so that as these kids get older, they learn to break down these barriers earlier than I had the opportunity to do. Mm -hmm. So you should listen to, um, the podcast I released last, um, Monday. Mm -hmm. It was with Beth English. Okay. And she is the, um, kind of founder of the Nashville creative group. Okay. They're local, but she talked about that even like in the schools, it's like, You know, obviously you have a heavier focus on different stuff and being an artist mm-hmm. is you're different and just having that sense of community and belonging, and, yeah. you know, the importance of it. And, you know, that was kind of one of the things that she loves with, with kind of leading that group here yeah. is that that gives that sense of belonging. You know, obviously, as you get older, you it's probably not as much of a struggle, but yeah, I think um, you figure out the people you belong with or what you want. As you're talking about with friends, you learn to identify what you, but yeah, when you're a kid and you're stuck in a certain school or whatever, you don't have that control to find those people. Yeah. And if you have a bent towards something, but Mm -hmm. the school's, you know, leaning all this direction, it's like, how do you, I want to be expressive, but everybody's like this. So Yeah. yeah, it was really interesting. Like she was, she said a lot of kind of what you had said. So, um, she might be a good one to connect with. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's the end. Cool. We, we rambled a little bit. <laughs> so um, now I'll ask you a couple real estate related questions. Oh, okay. So it's called the National Real Estate Minute. Ooh. And you could have some experience. Um, and you ask this to every guest? I do. Okay, every cool. Guest. So this right. is, you know, real estate content. Cause, you Ooh, know, we'll being see if, I, we'll see if I know stuff. All right. Make it's my husband nothing, proud. It's actually nothing real estate. <laughs> You'll, you'll see. Okay. All right. So um, how long have you lived in Nashville? I have. Well, I've lived in Nashville for the better part of 25 years. Okay. With the exception of college and a year after college. So I guess 20 years, uh, even though when I was in college, I was still mm-hmm. kind of back here a lot. But um, and I have lived in Nashville as an adult after college since 2014. Okay. So because you actually left and went and experienced some cool cities, what made you move back to Nashville? I, well, my family's here, which was a big part of it. Um, But I also really experienced two very different cities, Boston and LA. And Nashville to me has a lot of the offerings of a bigger city while still being friendly 
And there is not yet, <laughs> maybe we'll get there, but not yet the kind of cutthroat attitude that a lot mm-hmm. of people have in some of the bigger cities. Um, and as much as I have love having access to like so much more that you get in a bigger city, more diversity, more food diversity, even. Um, we got that here now, though. Would you somewhat, say? Yeah, yeah, somewhat. I, mean, I think but we're, you we're are lacking. In in LA, yeah, yes. yeah, we're lacking in a lot of racial diversity in Nashville. Okay. So therefore, right, I think we're lacking sure. in a lot of food diversity. But okay. Um, so I miss some of those components of bigger city, but Nashville, I think there's just so much room to grow as a person in Nashville where in Boston is tough because I was in college. So mm-hmm. like, I can't really speak to like living there as an adult necessarily. But when I lived in LA, I felt very like crushed by the city, if you will, where I had to make a certain amount of money and I had to live where I worked or my commute was terrible. There's just so many stipulations. And I think Nashville, I knew because I had lived here and my family still mm-hmm. lived here and everybody that I was going to have the freedoms here that I wasn't going to have in another city. And that it was going to be easier as like a young adult, mm-hmm. especially right out of college working professional to have a quality of life here. Um, and I also really appreciate, and I think Nashville still holds this up, that work-life balance is mm-hmm. so important to people in Nashville. And I, my best friends still live in New York and L.A. And uh, God love them. They have very little work balance. They work in, like, ad agencies and mm-hmm. film and fashion. And it's, you know, they are expected to work until the job is done. Yeah. And I think something I really appreciate about Nashville is, like, it's easy to be a self-starter here, and it's easy to also set boundaries, and I think self-care is super important. And I really did not have that balance in L.A., and I knew that when I moved here, I would be able to regain some of that and have mm-hmm. some of that social and, like, liberating freedom of, I don't know, yeah, yeah. you know, cool. have a backyard, have a that, dog, all yeah. that. <laughs> and down the road, you have a horse. So. Yeah. <laughs> so what community did you land in, and why did you choose that location? Mm. So I actually moved... I moved in with my parents for like two months and then I lived in Wedgwood, Houston, which I chose because I found a cheap place and it was like close to where I was familiar with. Um, But now when I started dating my husband in 2014, 2015, uh, he lived in Inglewood. Mm -hmm. And so I started staying with him. And then when we bought our last house, we moved to Cleveland Park. And so I officially moved to East Nashville, um, which I was a little bit resistant, I'll admit, um, because everyone was like, East Nashville is where everybody cool right, hangs out right. and you don't need to cross the river. And I hated that attitude because I thought it was very like elitist. Um, but I love living in East Nashville. It's really yeah. like it's a very cool community. And it there's so much in East Nashville. You like I hate to say it. You don't have to cross the river. Right. Right. <laughs> you should. But you don't have to to find like some of the best food and shopping and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. And in Cleveland Park, that's um yeah, it's it's how has it transitioned? Is it still pretty? Is there still some ter- lot of teardowns and stuff through there? Um, I haven't yeah, been there lately. Yeah, um, it's pretty. It's it's interesting because we moved there almost four years ago this summer. Okay. Um, and it was I mean Davy being a broker, he knew um where yeah. the next neighborhood yeah, was. And, it, yeah. yeah, so it, it was very intentional for him. He wanted something, um with sidewalks and in East Nashville. And we, he, like when we got our last house, we had sort of newly been dating. So it was really more his decision. Cause I was, I still had my own place, mm-hmm. but, but you know, we, we did move in together in that house. But, um, so it was kind of an intentional thing with Cleveland park, but, and he's totally not wrong. It's definitely like, I mean, as everyone say, 
it's the next Lachlan Springs. Mm-hmm. But it's really cool because, like, from our bedroom window, you have the perfect view of downtown. Yeah. We're, like, three minutes from downtown. We live, like, right off Dickerson and Ellington. So everything's super yeah. easy to get to. And then Folk is a block away from us. Wilburn Street Tavern. Um, the new... Sean Brock from Husk is opening a new restaurant a block away. So all this stuff is happening. Retrograde opened up. So I think it's turning into a really cool neighborhood. I think there with everywhere in Nashville, there's a struggle for affordable housing and like definitely community East Nashville, especially there's the struggle of like pushing people out that have lived there for a long time. And I don't know that I don't know that anywhere in Nashville is dealing with that that well, yeah, but, um, but right. Cleveland Park is a really great neighborhood. I love it. Yeah, cool. All right. So share a great memory you often share about Nashville. I, I remember like in college, people asked me what it was like to live in Nashville was before Nashville was like cool at all. Right. They very much They're thought like, I lived Yeehaw! on a farm. Yeah. yeah. They're like, so uh, do you live on a farm? <laughs> but um, well, something I would say about Nashville that I always told them, I was like, you know, the best thing about Nashville is that you see like Famous people or semi-famous people, and it's not a big deal, and right. nobody cares because everyone is a normal human. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, cool. All right, so what do you look for in a good real estate agent? Mm, <laughs> my husband. <laughs> uh, no, I think this is a good question. So I actually now, run... No, I'll have to edit that part out. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually run the social media for my okay. husband's brokerage. Um, on As a, like a side hustle, I run the social media for mm. that in the coffee shop. Because I'm a, I'm a millennial and I'm hip and yeah. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, so I think that's an interesting because I'm starting to get to know a lot of the agents at the brokerage. And something that and a lot of my friends are starting to buy houses. There are a lot of them are first time home buyers. Mm-hmm. I think that it's really important to find someone that you connect with and someone that like meshes with you and doesn't feel pushy. Because some, you know, I think people are afraid that real estate agents are going to be like car salesmen and they're not. Not at all. They're not well, at I mean, all. I can't speak. Yeah, to but most of them are not. And I think I think like there are so many different agents and so many different personalities. It's like mm-hmm. you just kind of have to like dig a little to find out what you like. And I think finding like probably a good step finding a brokerage that you feel comfortable with their policies mm-hmm. and then finding agents. I think that's, you know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Totally. Um, cause I, yeah, I, I think because I was in commercial truck sales, which mm-hmm. it was more of building relationships, not right. just like, you know, someone a car walks out of the person, lot. Right. right. I mean, you would have that occasionally, but then, yeah, I always am like, it's, it's funny. Cause I like overemphasize the fact that like no pressure. Yeah. Now it might sound like when you're like, okay, I'm ready to offer. I'm like, boom, 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 you know, yeah. but people no. get afraid when they're buying a house that it's going to be pressure yeah Yeah. or they like something on the social media that i'm doing is like trying to break down what to expect the first time you buy a house because that is like a really hard people are like i don't know what to do like what do i do do i have to you know how much money do i have to have down like Mm -hmm. there's this sort of like cloud of confusion there i think breaking that down and like letting them know davy's always saying like people will like ask him questions about real estate real estate and then not buy house and feel really guilty and he's like it's fine like that's what happened it's okay for you to want to know or ask questions or so you understand what the market is like and then you know you don't have to like just because we talk doesn't mean you have to buy a right. house and buy a house right. for me. And, you know, that's I think people get really know, freaked out. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. That's he, he handles that well. All right. So uh, what advice would you give to someone looking to move to Nashville? Oh, do it. I think it's great. Um, I think researching a neighborhood that you feel connected with. Um, I think being 
aware of pricing in Nashville is really important. I definitely in the last few years, mm-hmm. people have started to get very frustrated at how right. how much things cost here. Um, I think something I've talked to people about is that everything in Nashville, even though people complain about traffic, I, li- I can't get behind that because I lived in L.A., but right. um, anything in Nashville is really like 15 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Like Donaldson, 15 minutes away. Like everything's close. I don't think you have to live in, in downtown, even though Right. I love living really close to the city. I'm not, I love East Nashville. I'm not capitalizing on the fact mm-hmm. that I live four minutes from downtown. I'm never right. going downtown. So I think picking a neighborhood that you connect with and, uh, you know, picking something that you feel connected with more than what's close to where you work or whatever. Right. That's always been my vibe. Yeah. I think that's how I was in LA. I lived where I wanted to hang out after work. Yes. And it made me have a worse commute. But I, when I got home, I wanted to be there and right. be in that That's neighborhood. That's a good point. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and sometimes people sacrifice that. Yeah. But like, and I get it. Some people didn't don't want to commute and they don't care. But for me, I wanted to like walk out on my front door at the end of the day and mm-hmm. go like go to a cool bar, go to a show or whatever. And and that was the choice that I made. But that's a good uh, that's a good searching question yeah. to ask. You yeah. Because I, I like that. All right. Well, that's all we got. So Yay. tell the guest um, how they can connect with you. Um, my Instagram is at Haley Rowe, maybe H A I L E Y R O W E M A B E E. And, uh, my email with my work at Yeah Rocks is programs at yarocks.org. Um, I am happy to answer any questions about camp. I'm clearly obscenely passionate about it and I love it. And I want to spread the word, whether it be to future campers or volunteers or parents or future board members for the nonprofit in any way. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks Thank for your you. time. Thank you. As always, thanks for your time today, and hopefully you were inspired to help others through Haley's story. Make sure to check out the show notes for more information on Haley and how you can get involved with youth empowerment through arts and humanities. Next week, I'll be sitting down with Jared Houston, a personal trainer at Title Boxing in Nashville, Tennessee. Actually, I uh, came across Jared as I was following Mike Lemieux on Instagram. I I sat down with Mike on last week's episode. And within that episode, he had mentioned um, Jared and talked about how Jared had made a huge impact on his life over the last year. So I thought that would be um, a pretty interesting person to sit down with. I've I followed him a bit and um, his enthusiasm on his videos that he shares on on Instagram when he's training others is pretty uh, pretty fun to watch. So I have not sat down with a personal trainer yet, so I'm looking forward to doing that, and you'll hear more of that conversation next week. The sponsors for the podcast are the one and only me, Andrew Buckwalter, with Buckwalter Impact Group of Benchmark Realty. If you have any real estate needs in Nashville, if you're looking to buy or sell or looking for investment properties, make sure to give me a shout. I love doing the podcast. I love meeting new people. I love sharing the stories and sharing what others are doing in Nashville. But first of all, I love real estate, so I am here to help you. If you have any lender needs, make sure to give Brandon Hutchison a shout with Legacy Mutual. And if you are in need of a good title, David Weber with Limestone Title and Escrow would love to have your business.
This week, the musical guest will be Carmen Brandy. She's actually played a couple other songs on a couple other episodes. And so I have one more for her, and I'll feature that today. As always, thanks for tuning in to Nashville Untold. I appreciate you giving giving your time to this episode. And um, feel free to uh, share it with your friends. Now, sit back, turn up the volume, and uh, relax to a song by Brandy. Is it too late to say sorry for every time I've given for every single heartache and every time I let my demons win? I want love to be easy, can't seem to get it right. I put my best foot forward, end up falling every time. So forgive me in advance for making it so tough. I know I should let go and let grace do what it does. I don't know how to do it, but I really wish I could love me like a father would. And I'm too proud to So forgive me in advance for making it so tough. I know I should let go and let grace do what it does. I don't know how to do it, but I really wish I could love me like a father Love me like the Father.
<laughs> we hope you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time.